Are we pro-churches paying taxes or are we anti-churches paying taxes? There's only one way for us to decide. The fact that we have pastors that make billions of dollars for preaching a bunch of bullshit to me is not only a scam, it's also harmful. Churches not having to pay tax reap a hundredfold in the benefits that our society gets. The church does a fuck ton of harm. Almost everything good that is in our society has come from a Christian basis. Heads, you will be pro churches paying tax and tails, you'll be anti churches paying tax. Would you give me 10 minutes to change your mind? about whether we should tax church. I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people. Categorizing of humans and ideas. You have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas. These things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. This Choircast podcast is brought to you by the book Drugs and Jesus by Josh Lawson. It's no secret that churches are stumbling in the dark when they look for ways to effectively serve people who use drugs. As the death toll of accidental drug overdose continues to rise across our country at an alarming rate, Christians are struggling to connect their faith with this urgent and holy work. Faith-based activists are attempting to bridge the gap, but so far, their message has been confined to socially progressive circles. Drugs and Jesus is the first book of its kind to pioneer a theological framework for people of faith, and especially evangelical Christians, to help them engage in the ministry of harm reduction. Drawing from my own groundbreaking efforts to equip faith communities at the epicenter of America's rural opioid crisis, Drugs and Jesus takes readers on a journey of theological and practical transformation that will help them learn how to better serve the most vulnerable members of their community, all without having to become experts in the field of addiction or theology. Drugs and Jesus releases from Choir Publishing on April the 11th. Don't miss it. G'day and welcome back to another episode of the Ideas Dieters podcast where we explore the challenging ideas that divide us. My name's Conrad. And my name's Alice. Thank you guys so much for being here. A special welcome, Alice, we should say, to YouTube friends of the show joining us on YouTube. Like, subscribe, hit the bell icon. Podcasting friends of the show, they're pretty special to us. They listen to a slightly extended version of the episode. So if you want to hear that, head over to Podcast Land, wherever you get your podcast. And super friends, super welcome. These are the enlightened friends of the show who are helping us, Alice, build safe spaces for disagreement. If you'd like to join us in this mission, head to itisdigest.org. Alice, as always, a couple weeks behind the news headlines, really. The algorithm's been serving us some things this week. We also put a poll up on our Instagram, and our Instagram friends of the show, they have decided for us what topic we're going to be covered, and it came out, churches, should they pay taxes? You might be thinking, taxes? Boring. And I would have thought that too. But here we are, Alice. Here we here are. Here we are. <laughs> so, Alice, you got some headlines there from the United States. I got some headlines here from Australia. We got some crossover. We're so far away, but we still have some of the same issues. Give us some headlines of what the algorithm's been serving news wise. Yes. So, from BritannicaProcon.org, should churches, including mosques, synagogues, etc., remain tax exempt? Good question. From Kara News. Churches are breaking the law by endorsing in elections. Experts say the IRS looks Ooh. the other way. 
Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. Why churches don't pay taxes and how much money the public could gain if they did. I'm going to need to read that just to to inform myself, but yes, continue. From bigthink.com. From verifythis.com. Yes, the IRS can revoke tax-exempt status for churches that endorse candidates. And this, I'm just going to read this one headline about this particular issue. But when I was looking some stuff up about churches and taxes, Conrad, it is overwhelmingly the Mormon church that is under fire here in the States. Yeah, there's headline after Salt headline. Salt Lake City, baby! Yes. So from the Salt Lake Tribune comes this headline. Latest from Mormon land. Should this rich church lose its tax exemptions? Some yell yes, but the laws quietly say something else. Also, how to enrich your Easter. <laughs> I just thought that Warming was hilarious. Up. One more. Sorry, one more. And this is um, for our Canadian friends of the show. or You know, we're North Americans over here. We'll be inclusive to, yeah. to our sister country. Um, from cbc.com. CA Mormon Church in Canada moved one billion dollars out of the country tax free, and it's legal. Out of the country. Out of the country. Oh, yeah, man. The headlines well, go charities on or something. And on. Oh, I'm, I'm not oh, sure exactly. I have to. I have to <laughs> de- dive into that one. But like, just... I can imagine being like, yeah, it was aid to Uganda. <laughs> like they turned a good news headline into something. It, it could be not. Who knows? I can see that. We got to do some research. There is also a lot of headlines about the Mormon Church and stock investment oh smart investment i say you're talking churches slash businesses and the blurry line between if you're an aussie there's one name that comes to mind when we're talking churches taxes and businesses and even we americans know it that is hillsong hillsong we've imported that's an export we've we've brought to you and so you're welcome by the way i got some headlines here abc news our government broadcaster says churches Religious groups receive millions of dollars in JobKeeper while staying in the black accounts show. So let's just play catch up. JobKeeper was the payment that our government gave to businesses and people whilst, well, businesses during the pandemic. So I guess churches took that and made a sweet little profit Ooh. in it. I hear Gucci also did the same. Ooh. The Guardian, your your lefty friend newspaper here, Hillsong under investigations by charities regulator over explosive allegations aired in parliament parliament is is one of our houses of government in which ministers i'm just trying to catch people american residents show it's like your senate i believe okay a bad correlation something like that and the allegations lead to the last headline sydney morning herald hillsong accused of misusing church funds to pay for private jets and luxury retreats why pay taxes when you can have a private jet is what I've always said, Alice. So, <laughs> well, it's, I didn't know the Mormons would pop up in there. But we've got, you know, your, your mega churches, Hillsong being the Australian brand, America having its own version of many of these things. Mm-hmm. And the Mormons, I guess, being a mega church of their own. Are we pro churches paying taxes or are we anti churches paying taxes? There's only one way for us to decide, and that is to let the, the gods of fate decide for us so i believe you flipped the coin last time i did so i shall flip a coin for us this time heads you will be pro churches paying tax and tails you will be anti churches paying tax Mm. are we ready yes here we go coin flip heads alice you will be pro churches paying taxes and i shall be anti churches paying taxes interesting 
Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm intrigued by this one. You know, the people of Instagram voted and you and I were both like, really, that's the winner. But I'm, I'm like, as I've been looking at these headlines, I'm like, okay, let's, let's get into this. I will find you someone to convince a friend of the show. We'll bring them on. I'll find you someone who does not believe churches should be paying taxes and you will have to convince them that churches should be paying taxes taxes you don't know this person what are your judgments you have about this nameless person who is anti churches paying taxes mm. yes no this, this part's always really funny to me because we judge them before we know who they are and then as soon as they become real people i'm like oh i said that about them Ooh, whoopsies <laughs> we go so hard hopefully hopefully they find it funny especially when they don't match yeah, yeah, my yeah. judgments yeah, um, yeah that's right that's, judgments are always wrong that's the point yes people. so i'm gonna guess well not always actually I, this is true i'm pretty good at judging people <laughs> well you've ha you've had lots of practice doing this show <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think a person who's going to argue that churches should not pay tax, they're going to be a pseudo-intellectual about this sort of thing. Yep. So pseudo-intellectual, pseudo kind of doing their own algorithmic research on yes. it, kind of informed, but no formal piece of paper. No, no formal piece of paper, but more opinionated than just a punter who's just like, oh, I just thought of this today. Here's what I have to say about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which was us 30 minutes ago. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, I do think that they are more inclined to certainly be religious. I'm going to find you someone religious for sure. They're going to be lower to middle class. That's going to be my snap judgment there. Although I could certainly yep. see a very wealthy, more Republican leaning person also uh, thinking that churches should not yeah, pay tax. Yeah, I can actually see that one. This that spans one. class. <laughs> Let's go with that. Brian, Brian Houston would definitely be classed as upper class. And I'm fairly certain Ooh. I know his position on churches paying tax. Brian Houston, the former leader of Hillsong Church mm. Australia. Yes, so much, so much there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> education Too level, um, span, I, I think just like class, this could span all sorts of education levels. Uh, I could see... Oh, you got to judge. Oh, Put them I in a box, to. Alice. Okay, okay, if I have to university? judge... I'm going to say... I'm going to say at least an associate's level of university. I'm going to judge that this person is going to be very right-leaning, um, very yep, more conservative, more Republican, um, finds value or in church liberal. during COVID. The Liberal Party, as we say here in Australia. Yes, or your Australian Liberal Party. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, is very politically engaged. Um, okay, I'm going to yep. say that the environment that they think climate change is probably a hoax at best. It's mm. part of God's plan and that's why we shouldn't worry about Ooh. it. Um, but at yep. worst, it's definitely a hoax. So Conrad, I'm going to try to find you a friend of the show who thinks that churches and all places of worship should absolutely pay taxes and Yes. What are your judgments about this person that I'm going to find for you, which I don't think is going to be very hard, at least uh, according to my Instagram polls? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, they're going to be an atheist. Okay. That's what I'm going to say religious wise. And they're going to be either a pseudo intellectual or an academic. Pseudos are more common. Academics are less hard and fast, unless you find me an economist or something that's going, no, no, churches need to pay taxes for these reasons. That would be very interesting. Class. Yeah, middle, I reckon, because I'll be like, about fairness. Come on, let's keep this fair. Education, university, maybe a master's. Political opinions, they're going to be left of centre. Wouldn't say a Bernie grade radical lefty. I don't think you need to be Bernie Sanders supporter or, or I guess, Green supporter in Australia, as I correlate these 
these people in order to think churches should pay taxes. So politically left, so I'd say maybe maybe an Australian Labor voter or a Democrats voter in the United States. Group identifiers, you know, I think could be a bit of a feminist, maybe believes in equality, could be a social justice warrior. I don't know. They're my judgments about the person that you are going to get for me. Alice, I'm going to find you a Mormon or a Hillsong pastor. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. I don't know any Mormons, so I'm, I'm going to have to put some feelers out and maybe reach out to some Mormon accounts on Instagram. Oh, here's the thing. Okay, here's the challenge straight up, which is if I fail in this mission to find these people, is that if you're a pastor of a church, especially a branded church of Hillsong, they're going to be gun shy of media. So I, I might not be able to get a brand name church. I'm going to have to get a no, a no frills, no frills label church pastor maybe, but I'm going to find you someone high up who can defend the, the churches and its tax. I am honestly very looking forward to hearing this person's argument. This could very quickly go into the boringest episode in the world. Like, listen, tax, the tax exemption status of these uh, LLCs in Australia, because I was on the uh, ATO. What's that? The ATO, the Australian Taxation Office website. Oh. And just seeing what it is, and I saw very quickly a few, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to learn a bit more about tax than I wanted. So if you'd like access to those punters' research notes, as Alice and I knowing nothing, go in and do some algorithmic research to try and prove our arguments. We're going for the best cherry pick stats we can. I'll release those notes to the super friends of the show. If you would like, uh, I have asked the super friends last week, we did an episode on Donald Trump and I did a lot of research on that. And I'm like, do people even care about, about all the stuff that, you know, all the research we did. And so I've put to the super friends, Hey, do you want to hear all the stuff I found or would you prefer you're not interested? So uh, completely up to them if they'd like to engage with that because we do do quite a bit of research to try and bring ourselves from punter to pseudo-academic. That's our journey as host of this show. Yes. I don't stand by the research I do because I'm cherry-picking, my friend. I'm looking for the arguments that will prove my point and hopefully we balance each other out. Yes. So, Alice, opinions are a dangerous game. Let's play. Game on. If you like small town mystery, crazy news, and wild history, then the Florida Men on Florida Man podcast is for you. Each week, Josh Mills and Wayne McCarty bring you the absolute best Florida has to offer. So if you're looking for a show that's safe for the family, but funny enough to help you escape everyday life, then listen to the Florida Men on Florida Man podcast. That's Florida Men, plural, on Florida Man podcast. All right, Alice, we have spoken to two new friends of the show. You went first last time. I'll go first this time. I thought you were going to set me up with some, some pseudo-intellectual, middle-class, uni-educated atheist who voted for the Democrats. I thought that's who I was going to get, and I wasn't far off. <laughs> you weren't. Meet Will. Well, you already met Will because you set me up with him, and I've already met Will friend of the show. He is an ex-Christian atheist, ding ding, that's correct, who creates content critiquing the Christian worldview on his Instagram. So if you're an ex-Christian, you're going to love his Instagram account. Uh, that is heretical theology. Feel free to check it out. If you're a Christian, 
maybe steer clear. Might not be your cup of tea, unless you're an open-minded Christian friend of the show, and you might be curious as to what his worldview and experience would be, and you're okay listening to people you disagree with, which I think if you're on this, listening to us on this podcast, on this channel, I think you're a fan of that. I would class him as a pseudo-academic because I don't know if he has an official piece of paper, like if he's official, if he's an official theologian or an official something, but he's got a lot of knowledge from, from the Googling and the research and a lifetime in there, so I'd give him a gold star pseudo-academic badge. I'd definitely say he voted Democrat. He mentions Planned Parenthood and being a fan of it, and boy, that's a hot so. For Aussie friends of the show, Planned Parenthood, when America has no public health care system, there's like a some kind of not-for-profit charity organization that helps women get uh, reproductive care. And if you're a Republican, you think they're owned by the devil because they provide abortions and you protest the clinics and blah, blah, blah. If you're an Australian, you've probably heard of this of this particular organization being the centerpiece of abortion controversy in the United States. Alice, how did I do with that summary? That's a great summary. <laughs> okay. Well said. Okay, fantastic. Conrad knows too much about US politics. Slow down, Conrad. Okay. So he's I th- so he's definitely like some kind of Democrat or progressive left lefty kind of guy. Group identifiers. I think I said feminist. I think he's uh, potentially one of those and probably a big supporter of LGBTQ issues, pronouns in the bio kind of thing. And he, Alice, is very pro-churches paying tax. So my strategy going yes. in, here's what I tried to do. Okay. I saw his Instagram account. I'm like, this guy is a pseudo-intellectual. He's a facts guy. So I wanted to hit him with some facts and data. And I wanted, I knew, I thought he would be American. Then I confirmed he was American from Florida. Boy, that's some deep, deep American country there. <laughs> it's like the America of America. <laughs> <laughs> He's not from America. He's from America. America. Apostrophe M. Even, even though I guessed and was correct that he would be on the left side of politics, Florida, generally, you'd be on the right side of politics. It's Trump country. DeSantis is, your, is the governor there. Look at me. Just, dropping, just trying to impress American friends of the show. So he would have this ingrained, red-blooded American, like even progressive, even like yourself, Alice. You're pretty progressive, but you're pretty American sometimes. I am. Like, I have my moments. Freedom-loving, right? <laughs> freedom-loving. Uh, so I wanted to, I yeah. wanted to appeal to that. And I, and I wanted to find out, obviously, what we agree on, drill down, and then defuse some of the tension and the emotion that surrounds religion. Because when we talk to people about religious issues, Alice, you've done this before, it's very emotional. If someone is religious, it's close to their heart. It's their identity. It's their core identity. So if you critique anything in the peripherals, it magnetizes to that emotional center. And likely, if you followed any of the deconstructed space, which this podcast has explored quite a lot, it's a similar similar emotionality connected to it. It's like, don't defend anything about this abhorrent institution that caused me so much pain. It's such an emotional issue. So I wanted to defuse that bomb, Alice, and really like gingerly touch the wires and reconnect a few things. So I, I you know, I did this by being a bit agreeable and just kind of avoiding all, I'm not here to defend religion. I'm here to defend them not paying tax. That's my job. So I've siloed that issue, stick to the issue. Let's see how I went. And if you're playing along at home, let me see if I can change your mind on this issue. Should churches pay taxes, Will? 0% is no, they bloody should not. And 100% is tax the hell out of them. Where do you sit on that nuanced spectrum? You can lock me in like a 98%. Okay, 98%. Yeah, I would almost say that religious organizations should be separate, a whole separate category in of itself. 
Um, just the fact that they're just one blanket 501c3, you know, tax break situation that applies to both Planned Parenthood and many churches, I think is yep. lacking nuance. Like, I think they should be yep. a little more complicated in that sense. So I, I'd be curious to get, before I begin, your definition on what a church exactly. is and why you're, ta- why you're targeting churches. Exactly. So churches are basically spiritual country clubs. You get all the perks of being within this group. You get to go do whatever. You know, some people can go in for free. Some people, they, they don't really ask questions, but it's presumed that you pay your tithe or pay your donation and you're in the country club. Uh, whereas organizations like Planned Parenthood, they are directly uh, helping uh, women and pregnancy organizations that is rev- like revolutionarily assisting our nation and our world uh, significantly. Whereas the church, in my opinion, does just if I can be frank, a fuck ton of harm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the fact that we have, you know, billions uh, pastors that make billions of dollars, you know, just for preaching a bunch of bullshit to me is not only a scam, mm-hmm. it's also harmful. And yeah, if we were to tax uh, the church, especially the Vatican or the, uh, the Mormon church, the social issues that we have uh, within America would be, largely decreases presuming that those taxes went to things that the government didn't squander which is another issue in of itself but <laughs> to be fair that's that's kind of where i stand your main concern is that the religious institutions are for a group of people to pay into a club your main concern is the exploitation of people you know, maybe people using this church flat platform to raise money to exploit people with some doctrines that you seem harmful. So you're wanting to really crack down on some of the behavior in churches, and you think taxing is the way in which the government can get a bit of, bit of a handle to help protect some people. I think it's definitely a way, yes. And if again, if okay. country clubs are taxed and lot and you know all these other organizations are, are taxed, they do just as harmful, if not more harmful, things or less harmful things than, than what the church does. And it's just like, if you want to be fair in how a church operates, you know, it's not exactly identical to a lot of other nonprofits are legitimately doing good for the world. Now, that said, if there is a church that, so we have a, a organization here in my hometown that is a, technically a religious organization, but they don't do church at all. They literally have a homeless shelter and they feed people. They basically go for all the different restaurants and they get all their leftovers and grocery stores and, they feed and shelter homeless people. If that's all that they're doing, I don't consider that, you know, a quote unquote church. Jesus would probably consider that the, the most authentic church in, uh, in my town. But that's not really what we're talking about when it comes to churches. Like when I'm talking like, you know, churches, people come in three, four times a week, pay to hear a great sermon. They might do a little bit of good here and there to, to make it seem like they're doing great things. But by and large, that's not what most churches are doing. All right. Well, Will, I feel like I understand your perspective a little bit. Would you give me 10 minutes to change your mind about whether we should tax church or not? I would love you to try to change my mind on this. Uh, let me begin by firstly just saying for the algorithm, you're wrong. Okay. I just wanted that sound bite there so I can edit it in later. And I don't want to be that harsh and confrontive because that's not a great strategy to change people's mind. But that was for you, algorithm no. gods. Bless me with likes and views. Cheers. Let me begin with a question and I'll start my timer every time I talk and I'll stop at any time you want to kind of say something or ask a question or something like that. So let me begin with a question as I begin my timer now. 
Will, can you tell me what the difference in your mind is or the difference you think is between a spiritual country club that you're describing as a church and a sporting club where people gather each Sunday or each Saturday, they donate money to buy boots and gear and then they put all that money towards the games and it doesn't make any money and everyone just donates their money and then maybe one week some coach gets up and gives an inspirational speech and they've opened the locker rooms and and you know the parents are looking in going oh that's a that's a bloody good speech and they're they're, they're in a way bending the knee to the to the god of the <laughs> football pitch or the soccer field or whatever it is you know we all worship something in different ways what's the difference between this this kind of club here that worships sport i suppose and 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 camaraderie and teamwork and one that worships a deity in the sky that believes we should forgive people and i'm talking Mm. let's go on this small level like it's another church of 40 people and they get together each week and they just talk about jesus and how great he is what what's the difference between these two organizations in your mind so if that is all that that church did i would be totally okay with that you know that's not an issue on my part okay um Okay. The difference would be that the sporting event is actually doing something that is very uh, physically beneficial uh, to oneself, like exercise is honestly very good for us. Uh, I would argue that they are both doing actually good things by creating social connections within people. But the, the difference yeah. here is, is that they are you know going together, the church is going together for this seemingly fake idea that if they want to believe in that, that that's cool. Um, the issue is because is if they are starting to take those funds and to put those funds towards a specific uh, political candidate. I think when people think of churches, they think of a certain type of church, the Catholic church, the Mormon church, the Hillsong, the big dog kind of evangelical prosperity gospel kind of things. I want to paint, you seem like a guy that likes stats. I've seen your Instagram account, Heretical Theology. You like a few stats and numbers. So I want to hit you with a few paint a new picture for listeners and and yourself here. So I did some punters research, you know, I looked at, see what the algorithm would feed me here. And in Australia, I'm going to use some Australia stuff for you. So it's going to jump between Australia and America. So bear with me, uh, global audience. Australia has 11,400 local churches. America has 384,000 local churches. And I think this is similar. Uh, correct me where I'm wrong, fact check me. I just, I'm just a punter here, just working things out as I go. We're a nation of small churches. So 47% of those 11,000 and 380,000 churches uh, have less than 50 people attending each week. And 27% of them have less than 25 people attending each week. So that means there's less than 5% of these churches that have more than 500 people, which would get into that big category of like light stadium, give us money, your Hillsong kind of stuff. So I wanted to kind of get that there. And that's their Australian statistics. America seems very similar from what I've kind of correlated, but open to be fact-checked there as well. So the average size of a congregation in America is 75 people. So I want to reshape the picture of when we think of church, when we think of religion, let's not think of this Carl Lentz, Brian Houston, Hillsong, Bethel kind of mega church. Let's think of 40 grandmas gathering around each week around a, a 50-year-old pastor who's, you know, helping them through and connecting and having lunch clubs and tea parties and things like that, you know, and they go to the Salvation Army and donate clothes to the op shop. That's what I'm wanting to paint as a picture of what a church, what most, what the vast majority of churches are. Have a, am a, Are you with me so far? I am. Okay, great. Let's go to the thing that's the problem. The thing that's the problem, and will everyone agree on this, it's the money side. So the average pastor salary in Australia 
is 75 Australian, 75,000 Australian dollars, about 50 K USD, just, just above minimum wage kind of thing. Very average. 52% of churches have annual budgets of less than $250,000. So that's maybe half, half of the churches can afford maybe three full-time employees at a very average salary. So once again, this is like most churches, 9% of churches have more than a million. So I'm losing people in statistics. Hopefully people are with me here. So 9% of churches have over a million dollars. So the churches that we're targeting and that really triggers this discussion and in Australia, Hillsong's in the news all the time, it's these mega churches. But I want to reframe this whole thing and go, that's not most churches. Most churches, people don't have a problem with. Most churches, I don't think you necessarily would have a problem with or I would have a problem with. And where it comes down to is what they spend their money on. Do you want to jump in in there? Yeah, so I, I, it has to do... So, for example, like here in the United States, like if you don't make a lot of money, you don't pay a lot of taxes. And you also have things like tax write-offs. So if you got this little, you know, like you... The, the reframing for the small country church that has, you know, 40 grandmas, and they donate $1,000 to, you know, or $1,000 of donations to the Salvation Army, that's a tax write-off. And then... If that's all they need, then they're they're good to go. Mm, totally. So you, you're kind of saying that these small churches that I'm outlining are actually kind of could be they could still tax them because they're not going to pay tax anyway. Which brings me to what they spend their money on. I got some stats around it. Loose stats. You can fact check me. I don't know how reliable they are, but yes, open to fact checks. Religious organisations received 124 billion dollars in 2020 or. 2021 and they went and they did a survey and went where is all this money been spent on these are american stats 49 percent was spent on personnel so half of it mm-hmm. went towards employees 29 percent went on facilities mm-hmm. so you're at you know 70 percent here 80 percent 11 percent went on charity work and so this is the trend that i saw across the entire thing just so we can really narrow down on this on the problem here and we've mentioned it before, the problem that we're really getting at is it's the mega churches. It's, it's the 5% of churches that we're talking about. So I'm happy to name names. In Australia, it's, it's Hillsong Church. That's the big one. That's the one that was in trouble for private jets everywhere, lavish spending by the big dogs, the CEOs, all those sorts of things. And it's kind of like a misappropriation of funds. I'm not here to defend how churches spend people's money. But let's look at how Hillsong say they spent their money. And now we're getting to what I think is the problem. Tax, taxing churches is not the problem. I'm, I'm offering you another problem, Will. The problem is transparency. And when here's what Hillsong say they spend their money on. And there's no way to verify this. I tried, but I'm not a good researcher. Maybe you can verify it better than I can. 66% of revenue went to staff salaries, benefits, and expenses. So higher than your average. They took in $129 million in income in one year. And they spent $13 million on their charity work, which hits at 10%. Very biblical. They're hitting that. It, churches seem to actually be tithing at 10%. So like your analogy of a country club really works well because it, you're really eight, 90% of the money that goes in pays for the venue, the things, the clubs, the, the sermons and all that. Then 10% goes to charity, which you're kind of saying is a tax write-off if they did it anyway. So I guess help me with this practical question. You, I understand how these small churches, they're not going to pay tax anyway if they're forced to pay tax. But how is Hillsong in Australia going to pay tax if 
66% goes on personnel, 30% goes on, um, or 25% goes on building and things like that, and then 10% goes to donations, they're also not recording a profit. So how do you, how do you practically tax them? So again, so that's where the, uh, the, the finding kind of comes into play. So they can say that, you know, they're writing all this stuff off. And if they're writing that stuff off, then, hey, at least we're getting some sort of, you know, estimation on what they're actually making. The problem with those stats and those numbers is that they're almost always completely off because uh, I used to be a server, uh, a, a waiter, and hope the feds aren't watching me, but a lot of the servers didn't actually <laughs> uh, count their cash tips because it wasn't recorded. Uh. Okay, so yeah, they're right. getting yeah, all yeah. these cash funds, and just by human error, you're definitely not counting that cash. So that's, that's like a, a side tangent. Mm. But to actually answer your question, like it would operate like a business, and which is what they're doing. Now, if that's how they're doing it, then I think that's a little bit more of, of a more fair way of doing it um, if they want to work that system. But the fact that you're comparing it to how a business is operated kind of proves my point here. <laughs> it's because they're operating it like a business. Mm. They're putting all this money into these facilities, mm -hmm. these facilities that largely remain unused throughout most of the week. Uh, facilities that could be used for, for housing and things like that. Now, they can operate their facility however they so wish. I think it's hypocritical, personally, but, you know, we don't want to get covered too much, uh, uh, too many tentacles yeah. in, into our civil liberties. Um, so <laughs> I, I guess the kind of round it up, it's like if they want to spend that much money on like a $100 million on, on a projector or some stupid shit like that, yeah. that is what the church can decide to do. At yeah. least we now have oversight on it, on how they're actually spending that money. Now, if mm. we are going to consider like my other suggestion, which is like, they should also be fined for some of these, mm -hmm. uh, cause a lot, cause a lot of these charities that they, they said they're, they're donating towards, um, they are, uh, so for example, my, my former mega church had counseling services. They weren't actually mm -hmm. counselors. They were giving basically counseling services, uh, but they had absolutely mm -hmm. no um, professional background at all. And it was biblical counseling. They're mm -hmm. saying, well, this is what the Bible says. This is how you should help your your anxiety and your depression. Like that shit is just fucking flat out wrong. And if that is what they're saying they're putting this money towards, <laughs> then that for me is like a huge red flag. And uh, the whole charity thing is complete bullshit. Well, I, I think that's where we go to kind of next. It's, it's, it's following on nicely there. So practically, it's very difficult to do this. And you say they were operating a business. In Australia, it, it, it is. It's a not-for-profit. It's, it's more simple than your structure. It's just a not-for-profit. It's the same as charity. It's the same as all these sorts of stuff. Let's go to America, into the unique American land. And I want to pull on your American heartstrings here and your political leanings, which I suspect I know. Well, you've kind of already shared some of them with me. In my punter's research, discovering the wonderful land that is America, you guys, uh, some conservatives will say, the power to tax is the power to destroy. You guys hate your bloody taxes. I mean, Australians don't like them, but you guys really, you know, many people call it theft and things like that. Here is, the, here is why you don't want churches to pay taxes. So one, I think practically it's very hard to do to delineate all these complex structures. They're not going to turn a profit, all those sorts of things. So practically, I think it's largely impossible. But you don't want them to pay taxes for one simple reason. You don't want them to become political lobbyists. Now, 
I understand that these rules aren't enforced, but you have something called a Johnson Amendment, and that prohibits religious organizations and, cha uh, and charities and things like that to lobby on behalf of a candidate and tell their congregation who to vote for. This is a unique American thing that says if a pastor stands in the front of his church and says you should vote for Donald Trump, technically speaking, the IRS can go, oop, you told them who to vote for. We're going to revoke your tax-free status. And if you taxed all churches, that would put them under the power of the state because I understand it kind of comes from this separation of church and state. I would argue to you, Will, keep them bloody separate. Lean into that American spirit because you can then start enforcing, okay, churches, you don't want to pay tax, that's fine, but you cannot tell anyone who to vote for. You can't lobby on behalf of candidates you prefer. You can't do any of those sorts of things. So if you would like to have a bit of a jab at churches, taxing them is not the way to do it. In fact, allowing them to not be taxed allows you, as a probably a more progressive-leaning guy in Florida, to kind of get one back at churches. So I've got 30 seconds left. I'll just quickly sum up. I think practically it's largely impossible to tax churches. In Australia, they're the same as charities. How do you pull that apart? Most churches aren't going to be affected by this anyway. So when people say tax churches, everyone should pay tax, it's like tweeting about world hung global hunger. It feels good. Oh, look at me. I'm standing up for it. But it does nothing. So practically, it's not going to solve your problem. And it actually is more beneficial to you as a progressive person to not tax them. What you're really arguing for is justice and transparency. And that's where I think I, I want to take you from 98% they should pay tax. And I want to bring you down to pretty much like 5 to 10% and say... They shouldn't be paying tax, but we should bloody know where the money's going. So I'm, I'm kind of agreeing with you. It's transparency. If Hillsong are going to be tax-free with $125 million yearly donation and intake from royalties and all these sorts of things, they should have to, like every other business that's registered with the government, let us know and let the congregation know where the money is being spent. So I think I'd like to offer you, I'd like to take taxation from you, tax churches, and I'd like to offer you increased transparency, increased regulation, and just enforce the damn laws that you already have in your country. You have these laws to enforce about political lobbying. The one thing America doesn't need more of is political money in your politics. So let's keep churches out of politics and let's not tax them. Will, that's me done. That's my 10 minutes. You started at yeah. 98%. Did I manage to change your mind well, about whether we should tax churches or not. Well, you know, Conrad, you did give me a, a new uh, perspective that I did not think about when it came to the, the political lobbying and the taxes and stuff. You know what, Conrad, I, I like you a lot. I'll, I'll, I'll give you 75%. If you would like to hear an uncut extended version of that conversation, head to artistdigest.org, sign up and support dialogue over division. Before you critique me, we head into the locker room for podcasting friends of the show and for super friends of the show. Tell me about who you met and your strategy going in. Okay, so I thought that I was going to be debating a lower to middle class, um, maybe bachelor's degree, educated tops, uh, pseudo intellectual. Wrong, wrong, wrong. But I think the rest of my my snap judgments about this person that I would be debating oh, were correct, okay. and those 
were that they would be right-leaning and conservative, a either Australian Liberal Party uh-huh. voter, which is the U.S. Conservative correct, Party correct. voter, just to clarify, um, and that they'd have very traditional family values. Mm-hmm. Um, Go hand in hand with the Liberal Party. And is probably very politically engaged. So I would like you to meet Chris, who mm-hmm. is a, I would say, a middle to upper class, so er, did not, not get that one yep. right. Highly educated person with an attorney background, so I'm just going to say, <laughs> did not really get Full that one right. Full-blown academic there. This guy's in the ivory tower, and he's been there for decades. The ivory tower of taxation. He's he's what, the the CFO, the the chief financial officer of the Australian Christian yes, lobby, got a big dog. So, yeah. I was very uh, wrong on that account, um, but he is very conservative, right-leaning. For Australia. Uh, and he... Yeah, which is a slight different uh, flavor, let's say, to the American right-leaning. I'd love to hear from you more about the differences between those flavors, because you know a lot... We don't have to get into it right now. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe in the after-show segment, in the yeah. locker room In part, the locker room, like, we can break it down. So, and I, he is the nth degree of politically engaged. Mm. Um, so, I got that one right. He's a lobbyist on yeah. their website. <laughs> it's his um, job. It straight up says... That they exist to try to exert a Christian influence over politics. There's anti-abortion legislator on there. Boy, if you succeed in changing this bloke, this bloke's mind, you could change Australian policy. So what was your strategy going in? So my strategy going in was to try to take a higher level approach and to try and avoid the legal weeds of taxation, to argue more for principle over the nitty gritty details, um, to throw in a biblical argument (laughs) uh, because I am talking with a Christian, yes, and um, focus on the big problems, including the problems that stem from big mega churches. Focus on the bad boys. Um, I wanted to ask him questions. Uh, to see if I could get him to first try to defend why churches should not pay tax. And then with those questions, I had some follow-up questions to try to make him think a little harder. Yeah, yeah, you tried the curveball question to try and stump him. Yeah, or at least make him think twice. Oh, good. Okay, okay, <laughs> great. Alice, let's see how you went. And if you're playing along at home and you think churches should not pay taxes, let us see if we can change your mind. So first question for you, Chris. On that scale of zero to 100, zero being churches should never pay taxes and 100 being they absolutely should, what number would you put yourself at? I'd say zero. Faith and religion and particularly Christianity is unambiguously good for our community. Almost everything good that is in our society has come from a Christian basis. Benefits given by um, churches not having to pay tax uh, reap a hundredfold in the in the benefits that our society gets. So, uh, as a simple economic proposition, I think it's justified. Sure. What I'd love to hear are some of the benefits that you think are are directly traceable to Christianity that um, that benefits communities in Western society today. Christianity comes to the UK, to Britain, where Australian society and American society comes from. The British are pagans. There's child sacrifice. It's a savage society. And that changes under the influence of the gospel. Abolition of slavery, improvement of a lot of women, treatment of lunatics. The whole charitable 
basis of Western civilization comes from the Christian ethic. Do you think it could also be argued that um, that the Christian ethic and Christianity advanced and condoned slavery and the subjugation of women and started a lot of wars? Absolutely not. The abolition movement right through from the 1700s in the UK was unambiguously Christian. In terms of the treatment of women, the Bible properly understood unambiguously supports the dignity and the status of women. The world has fought each other long before there was ever Christianity. So those three propositions are, are, are not correct. Getting back to the issue of the benefits of Christianity, what does religion do? Some studies have found that companies, for example, that operate in strong religious communities have a higher ethic. Bankers have fewer exploitative practices. There's less misbehavior corporately. All of that works itself out in good. Then there's the direct benefits to society. So churches run and, and Christian organizations run things like uh, hospitals, schools. The biggest provider of non-government health care is the Catholic sector. What that does is employs lots and lots of people who pay tax. So there's lots of free counseling, happens in the life of a normal church, normal pastor or a priest. That's got an economic value if you value it. But then there's all the benefits of the community. The, the Where else can you go free and hear a talk once a week on something that's going to enhance your life, mingle with friends, have a free cup of coffee, uh, chat, have people care for you, meet together once a week or once a fortnight in discussion, Bible discussion groups, be encouraged, be cared for. The football clubs don't do it. The cricket clubs don't do it. That's a unique service uh, provided by the church which supports people and diverts lots and lots of uh, stress away from the other sort of support services like formal counseling and etc. It's shown that people who have a strong faith base are less likely to break up in their families. Uh, so that's a, a, a significant benefit that the emphasis on getting families through stops this other breakdown, which is causing massive cost, economic cost to our community. The support of churches is beneficial to the community. Would you say that, in short, you think that churches should enjoy the same tax-exempt benefits as secular nonprofits? Would that be fair? They're treated the same way. So secular nonprofits, at least here in the United States, they're required to report where their funding goes to. Um, they need to demonstrate that they do indeed spend their money on the missions that they say they exist for. Um, churches and other places of worship, again, at least here in the States, are not held accountable in these ways. They do not need to report uh, what they spend their money on. They don't need to be as transparent with, with the government. So do you think that religious nonprofits, if they receive the same benefits as secular nonprofits, do you think that they should also be held accountable in the same way? Like, do you think religious institutions should also have to report and clearly be transparent about where their funding goes to? Yeah, churches themselves don't have to report because there is a cost to our work for a not-for-profit and there is a 
compliance costs. So we have to employ someone who does that work to report. Most churches, as I said, are small institutions, and they haven't got a lot of money. There is very little evidence of anything going wrong in in the um, operation of your suburban church. It's it's just it's just not a not a thing. I definitely acknowledge that most churches, both in your country and mine, are very small and are certainly not in it for the money. I don't think most people become pastors thinking that they're going to be a superstar flying in private jets. Um, I do think that that most genuinely feel called to ministry, and it is not a, a very lucrative business most of the time. But since you brought up megachurches, I did want to talk about that, though. Um, megachurches, for example, like Hillsong in your country or the Catholic Church, um, the Mormon Church church here in the United States has been in trouble with with the government before with taxes. I'm curious to ask you, at what point, in your personal opinion, does a nonprofit church become a for-profit megachurch where church funds are not used on charitable initiatives, such as helping the poor, um, but paying for the designer clothing, private jets, and mansion homes of church leadership? Where is that line for you between when a church becomes a megachurch? You've put Hillsong and the Catholic Church in in one bag and the Mormon Church. I don't think that they're, they're they're the same thing. The the priests don't go flying out in jets. Um, then you have the Catholic education system. The history of Catholic education, certainly in Australia, is unambiguously good. Every child, no matter how poor they are, can have a Catholic education if if they want it. As far as I know, none of the people in Catholic education go flying around in private jets. Hillsong, uh, that's an issue that has got to be confronted. Now, there are allegations at the moment in Australia, and they, they're just that, of flying around in private jets, etc. One would have to question that. If the private jets, etc. allegations are, are proven, then those people who, miss you, who, who may have used those funds inappropriately should be brought to account but doesn't mean that you throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. You don't take one uh, errant uh, group and then use that uh, conduct to tar and change the whole treatment of churches across the country. Allegations include uh, that members of uh, Brian Houston's family, he's he's one of the pastors, for, for instance, they spent $150,000 of church money on a luxury retreat in Cancun, allegedly. Also allegedly spent money on luxury watches, luggage sets, designer clothes, skateboards, private jets like Ubers, um, things like that. And on top of a whole bunch of other scandals, uh, sexual misconduct um, being one of them, there are differences between a small community congregation and a large mega church like Hillsong um, that has Uh, music revenue coming in on top of many other uh, books, sales, and things and the like, they should be treated differently. I I can be with you on that. What do you personally think megachurches bringing in millions of dollars um, should do with the money that they are bringing in? What do you think they should do with the excess that goes beyond church salaries, that goes beyond, what, what do you think is reasonable to pay a person in church leadership that doesn't get excessive to where they're living in a seven-bedroom mansion wearing designer clothes and flying private jets. Some of those illustrations are 
so far removed from the everyday that so the the job of the church is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to care for its congregants to support the poor that's 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 the gig you spend your money on that while we talk about Hillsong, let's also talk about the Salvation Army. Let's also talk about the Vincent de Paul people who give up clothes to the poor. And let's not forget that. I was reading that in an article for the Oklahoma Law Review that megachurches on average spend less than a quarter of their income on missions and programs and ministries. Um, and several, like the Catholic Church and the Mormon Church, and we don't have to go back there if you don't want to, they spend less than 3%. And I'm wondering if you personally find that ethical. Well, I, I don't know what, what, I don't know those alleged facts which you put up. Um, I, I would really challenge the statement about the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church is involved in mission in, in so many different ways. And mm -hmm. again, I can't speak for the Mormon Church. Um, what was the figure you gave for the mega churches? That on average, they spend less than a quarter of their income on missions and programs, with several spending less than 3%. Yeah, well, that would be a concern if that was correct, uh, but you'd have to you'd have to check the basis of that that of that allegation. Um, I see that your organization, the Australian Christian Lobby, is quote seeking to bring a Christian influence to politics. Um, your website advocates for governmental policy changes, such as keeping prayer and city council meetings um, and passing anti-abortion legislation. And I'm curious. Um, how do you personally justify lobbying for policy changes uh, in government when you don't pay taxes? Like, why should you and other Christians get a say in how government is run if you don't pay into government like non-Christians? Well, respectfully, that's a, that's a very easy question to answer. We're a grassroots movement. We're supported by ordinary Christians from all of whom will pay tax. So therefore, we have an absolute right to speak into government. I'm sure you're familiar with um, with what Jesus says in Matthew when, when a bunch of dudes are trying to trap him with a question about paying taxes, and he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God's give to God what is God. How do you personally interpret that in terms of how Jesus feels maybe about churches not paying taxes? I, I don't think he was talking about that issue. I think, think he was, he was talking, about? talking about the the background to that story is that they are trying to either get him to offend Rome or offend the Jewish people. Do you think that you might feel more comfortable with churches like Hillsong paying a certain allocation of their tax if it went toward uh, funds that you knew uh, shared similar values with from a the 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 very few churches that you are talking about that sort of dollar value is will be minuscule in my view and it will be practically impossible to sequestrate sequestrate that into a separate fund if if you want to look at examples of waste then you look at government in australia and you'll see far more misuse of funds 
than you'll ever see in a church. So to you, it doesn't matter how much money an exceptionally rare church might be making. You just don't think under any circumstances that a church should have to give back to public funding. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Um, I don't think that's that quite the proposition. The money that a church might make is used for the benefit of the population or if it's used to pay people salaries, then those salaries are taxable. So it ends up mm -hmm. with the money getting, with, with tax being paid. So if a, if a church has a staff of two and pays them, those two people will pay tax. If a church has a staff of 100 and pays them, all those 100 will pay tax. So it, it's not a case that that this church is building up or any organization is building up massive funds and not doing anything with it. That money is used. Suppose some might argue that it that it can often be used with strings attached. Like if if a Christian ministry is using its funds to, um, to say, have a, a homeless shelter that helps um, homeless youth, uh, but say some of those homeless youth, say a teenage boy wants to bring his boyfriend, are they going to be allowed to share a room together? Or is the, what, what is the church's policy on LGBTQ? What are the strings attached to it? It just seems like there's a lot of conditions, to my observation, wrapped up with church money. Digressing away from the topic, uh, respectfully. All right, then I'll, I'll leave that to the side. Um, and for now, we'll just wrap it up. And uh, I would like to ask you again, um, in, light of, in light of our conversation, considering the rare but, but occasional event of churches misusing funds and making very big heaps of money, um, would you maintain that your number is still zero, that you think that religious organizations such as churches should absolutely never pay anything in, in taxes? Uh, I remain of that view. Thank you very, very much for your time, Chris. I really do appreciate that you carved out this pocket of time to come on our podcast and to chat with me here. If you would like to hear an extended version of this conversation, head to ideasdigest.org and sign up and support Dialogue Over Division. The, the end result is Conrad brings home the W. Conrad, you... <laughs> Bravo. You, you brought it Thank home. You. I think I've <laughs> lost did. the last two, but I brought in, I brought home the, th the third one there. Well, 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 well done. How many points was that? 98 to what? 75? That's like a <laughs> My math is 22. Off. Is that 22 or 18? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's somewhere in there. <laughs> Work it out in post and edit in the number. Yes. <laughs> no, bravo. Seriously, that was a really good conversation. And those were some really great arguments that, that you brought up. Well, oh, well, thank you so much, Alice. You had a really hard job ahead of you. I think you did really well. And you know what? I don't think, no matter how good your argument was, I didn't see him necessarily budging, but you, you, never, you never know. Alice, uh, well, I went first. So, Coach. You went first. What did I do well? And just because I chalked up, a, you know, a percentage point win still he's still only at 75 percent. so technically he still thinks churches should pay taxes so i didn't really actually change his mind i just softened him softened him up for the next guy what did i do well build me up and then and then tear me down <laughs> 
Oh man, you did so well in in finding common ground with him and in in, in acknowledging that yes, you were talking with an ex-Christian mm. turned atheist. And so you went in with so much um understanding that he's not going to be quick to about face on his position. Yeah. And he he came in hard at like a 98%. He was he was a little uh could could have been see, uh seen as perhaps a little bit Fudgy. I sense some hesitation with him just because that uh, he was comparing churches to other nonprofits mm. and trying to be fair, thinking maybe right. perhaps they should all be treated equally, maybe not. Yes, but I feel like you saw where there were those wedge points to get, and I feel like you 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 executed your arguments really perfectly. You brought in data, you brought in stats, you brought in percentages, you brought in numbers. Yeah. You did what you do best, numbers. and like and plus you personally have like an economics background, so you're really fluent in in kind of seeing that sort of angle of mm -hmm. things. And so, um, and yeah, you did your homework with Will too, and kind of understood, like you, like you mm -hmm. said, um, that you were talking with a gentleman who's going to appreciate hard data. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that you, I think that 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 eighteen or 20, eighteen to twenty two points, whatever it was, your win was well deserved. Mm -hmm. um, if I think that there's anything that maybe you could have thrown mm, in there tell me. which honestly there's not there's not much because i i feel like for the person that you were debating it was a, a really good argument uh and and clearly you did very very well so um you definitely won this one on your own but if i was to be nitpicky nitpick um i would say there are uh there were certain things that I found when I was trying to anticipate the pushback that I might get on my side um, about really a lot of the physical, tangible good that church yeah. organizations do um, and really how much they actually bring that up. Did I? No, but they, they do a lot. Like let's, let's give credit where credit's yeah. due. You know, they do a lot of the things that other organizations don't do as much. Yep. Maybe you could mm. have presented to Will as like, look, like what other secular organizations are accomplishing this 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 yeah. on a regular weekly because he, basis. he did establish how much of a fan he was of Planned Parenthood and I another angle yes. potentially could have been here is give me like you cherry-picked your example with Hillsong I could cherry-pick an example with a church hospital system that might, might be progressive I could yeah. I could have found it that would have been a good way to find a progressive church that isn't the antithesis of everything he he likes it doesn't like and found a religious organization helping like women with birth control and you know uh what's the word <laughs> what's what's the what's the pc term for like reproductive health care reproductive health care that's what healthcare. i was looking for yeah yeah i could have all inclusive of abortions preventatives that's right. <laughs> i was like gonna be like abortion clinics a progressive abortion clinic I could have found something like that. Yeah. For the person you got, you gave, you delivered exactly the right arguments that were going to persuade him. You know, I feel like if we're in the locker room, it was a, it was a bit of a home ground advantage. My style of coming in hard with a thesis and, and really, you know, pushing, pushing almost directly on what they're saying a little bit that a guy like him, it's a home ground. It's a style that I think works. Whereas if, if I'd have had someone like, uh, you like you got we can pivot into into who I set you up with it, my, my strategy is like uh, to be honest I don't think uh, to build you up I don't think there's anything you could have said to change this person's mind not I mean I'm not necessarily calling them narrow-minded but this is this guy's career this is his job he is paid so if we're looking at incentive structures he is paid to literally lobby the government to prevent any changes to the tax code it's hard enough to change someone's mind when it's just something they think or they identify with. Try change someone's mind whose full-time 
<laughs> employment and not only full-time employment, lifetime employment. I actually don't know how long he's been in that position as CFO of the Australian Christian Lobby. So this is, this is the head of conservative Christian, because I'll say conservative Christian because many Christian friends of the show may be listening going, he does not stand for my version of Christianity. And that's totally fair. There's many different versions of Christianity, but he stands for a conservative half of it. And we'll, probably after this, we'll go into the differences between right-wing Australian Christians and um, right-wing American Christians. But he kept pulling you, pulling you into the area you didn't want to go. You would ask kind of an overarching question and he would then break it down into subcategories and give you his thesis on every single one. And, and yes, you, 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 a thesis you, indeed. You, you did the throw to, if you want to listen to the uncut extended conversation, just for sheer YouTube lengths and these things, I cut it heavily, like heavily. So if you want to hear like his arguments in full, like I do want to be fair to friends that come on the show. I don't ever want to like cut their arguments out of place and, and you know, make them sound a certain way. But I just had to, like, because it was an hour long conversation that you had and you didn't do, mo like it was him presenting a lot of the arguments because I think your gun backfired. I think what happened was you loaded that round to yeah. give American Rhythm the show. <laughs> you put in the magazine, you cock the trigger, you cock a trigger, no, you pull the trigger and cock the chamber. I don't know. And you've like, you pulled the <laughs> squeeze the trigger and it just, it like backfired and glanced off your head a little bit. Blew up totally in my face. Because these, these questions, yeah. which I'm like, oh, good, tough question. He just defused the bomb every time. And I think because redirected. Yeah, because you were like wanting to give space and understand so that, you know, you didn't want to create a dynamic of like argument or, or an escalated debate, understandably. Um, but it gave him ample opportunity to just talk himself into the position that he's already in. And it just every kind of clarification you gave was further invitation to even expand even more. And that makes your job even harder. So I think that. I, I guess he just he just wound down the clock. He just wound down the clock, and you didn't you didn't have time yes. to fully put together everything because you had some good arguments in there. I did, and I didn't even get to share all of them. And I did, I had like over two minutes left on my time, oh, but I did. happened to look up at the recording. The, the time yes, I looked up at the recording, and I was like, "We're in the fifty minute zone," and I was like, "I I can't. I gotta wrap this up." Yeah. Like, because I, I by that point I was just feeling like. He didn't. He didn't want to discuss the Catholic Church or the Mormon yeah, Church. Yeah, he said his so boundaries. Like, yeah, he said his, and I respect and that. You respected and respected the thing. Like, I don't I, know if I, I would have. <laughs> I would have gone. Oh, area of ignorance. Let's lean into that. Well, I know you're unfamiliar with the Mormon Church, but blam, 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 blam. <laughs> and then he he'll be like, oh well, I'm unsure about that. And then in that uncertainty, maybe that's the trick you could have gone with. Could have maybe. I, I, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, but yes. Mm. And that probably would have been more effective. Of course, I can think of arguments now that I'm like, oh, I could have dug yeah. in here. I'm I mean, like, but before I, before I berate myself, you, 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 you're the coach. You're pretty bummed. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I saw you out there. You gave your, you gave it your all, Alice. Like, I can't fault your, your effort, your energy. And it's like, it's a tough dynamic. I mean, it's, it's a generational difference. It's a cultural difference. It's a unfamiliar territory. Cause I, I threw, like, I didn't just throw you someone like some American tax lawyer. I, I threw you an Aussie, like it's a different culture. So a lot of the stuff that you did a lot of research on, which will go into with, with super friends of the show, um, it doesn't apply in Australia. Australia is, you, you have to kind of work out the unique Australian case, which he is going to argue specifically. But I will say this, as I was listening, 
I do think he opened himself up on... He did step into broader territory if you found the right pathway because he did say unequivocal good and that is such a massive statement. It would have been hard to not get into the issues because you'd have to bring up child sexual exploitation in the Catholic Church, issues with education historically with the Catholic Church, Hillsong, like the numbers, like you'd have to really build that case but then also not, but then pivot that into taxes going oh we can we can dispute it it's yep. there like you know like let's skim past it and then go taxes did like you'd have to it'd be a hard redirect it, uh, it would be it would be tricky especially with a gentleman like him yes who the very first part of anything i said he yes. clocked he, 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 he if, would, if yes. i said a paragraph he remembered all he five did. points well, re- and would one yes. by one address each one he's good at his so job he's very good at that he's and de- i yes yes he's very very good at that and i i do admire that trait in someone someone who's a good listener who can keep Definitely track good and listener, who can address yes. things as individual statements so i i do appreciate mm. that obviously it did not work in my favor <laughs> no. and and, I, and there were so many <laughs> things that i wanted to query him further on where i was like Yes. Like, nope. Keep the, this is about taxes. Yeah, yeah. This is not about the good or bad of yeah, the church. You this is not about the harm. So this is directions. not about the LGBTQ community. Yes. This is not. A, I mean, it, it was just a ripe. That's what I would compliment you on because you stayed focused. Because even for me and other conversations I've had, I, 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 I like I can slip into that, and then that winds down your time on convincing them on, on the on the issue if we're talking specific play. So I mean, oh, it does, and I don't know how much time he had to give me. So I was like, oh man, if I if yeah. I because I started to at the beginning talking about wait, Christianity was used for slavery to start wars yeah. and the subjugation of women. Like I the started whole to a little bit. Could have been see, on that. That's where the this is what's going to become about hey, for the next hour and a half, a topic. at least if I go there. Religion has been is a majority force for good. Ooh, that could totally be a good topic. Yeah, yeah. That's the, there's because there's lots of data in both directions. Totally, and people who, who believe could, either either side of the camp. If you have any show ideas, send them through to Ideas Digest. If you would like to support dialogue over division, head to ideasdigest.org. Sign up, support the show. Let's now for those super friends who do support the show, who we are thankful for, because that is why we're doing what we're doing. Alice, tell me what you really think about churches and paying taxes, and if your mind shifted throughout the course of you convincing uh, our good Christian lobbyist friend of the show. So going into this, I would say I was about like 